This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. So 239 of the Yellow Wall Pod. The uh, new season is roughly about seven weeks ahead of us. Tomorrow, the German league will announce the new schedule. And uh, we thought it's time now, while uh, England and Belgium have a snooze fest to record, sort of the first pre-pod or pre-season podcast. And here with me, Uh, once again, Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. Hello, Stefan. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's baking hot in Colorado, so it's okay. <laughs> are you enjoying the World Cup as much as I am? No. Why not? <laughs> no, no, actually. I mean, aside from obviously what happened yesterday with Germany and the absence of the United States, but at least I have Switzerland. So, no, I mean, overall, it's been it's been entertaining enough. Yeah, I'm certainly very entertained, even though uh, Fox Sports are not really doing doing a great presentation of it all. But, you know, what could you expect? Um, also here, Lars Parman. Hello, Lars. Hello, Stefan. Are you also enjoying the World Cup or is it just something to watch while there is nothing else to do? No, I'm enjoying it for the most part. I mean, some of it is obviously more uh, professional interest, especially the Germany games, even though I was very entertained uh, yesterday against South Korea. Uh, but overall, I think the quality has been fine. A uh, few good performances from, you know, weaker teams or, or teams you don't expect to do too well at the World Cup. So that's always enjoyable. I, I'm I'm fine with the tournament as it is right now. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm I'm really entertained. I enjoy it, and so now that Germany is out, you can really focus on the tournament without thinking about any sort of affiliations. At least in at least in my case, especially from a professional standpoint, basically I've got a lot of free time now. And also here, Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung. Konstantin, what are you making of the tournament in Russia so far? Um, yeah, it's not as entertaining as I had hoped, but, um, overall, um, I, I think it will pick, pick up, um, after the group stage, actually. Um, plenty teams have focused on, you know, pr pr preventing counterattacks and being rather defensive minded. Um, I think they were. Unlike Germany. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, Germany and Spain were the two teams with the most whiskey. Style, um, yeah, um, but it didn't work out for Germany. It worked out for Spain to some extent, at least so far. Um, yeah, and I'm impressed by a few teams, Belgium, uh, and of course, Brazil, the favorite now. Um, France after uh, the second match was quite good. Um, but overall, yeah, there are other teams which were disappointing. Of course, uh, the entire Argentina story in Germany. Um, yeah. And also I, I talked to you guys. I mentioned, uh, six or seven or eight months ago, I told you that Russia will go through. Um, and of course they did. Congrats on that very bold prediction. Well, well you, you doubted me. You, you told me that they will finish last or something like that. I don't remember that, but it might be, might be right. But, uh, yeah, also, not, not I think be. we can, <laughs> we can also, uh, I think give some credit to Croatia. I think they've done particularly well too. And I'm really not looking forward to France against Uruguay. Because that's just going to be the ball laying in the middle. But enough World isn't, Cup isn't talk. Isn't it France against Argentina? No, he's already talking about the quarterfinal, yeah. I guess. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm already, I'm already skipping ahead there. Um, nice. Just because, uh, yeah, I, I, I might not even be able to watch France against Argentina. So, 
I just skip ahead. Anyway, um, before we digress too much, Borussia Dortmund have signed Thomas Delaney from Werder Bremen and Abdul Diallo from Mainz. Those news have uh, yeah, dropped in the several weeks and a couple of days ago, respectively. Um, first thoughts on Thomas Delaney, starting with you, Matthias. Um, I, I mean, the price tag's a little high in my estimation, but, um, 20 million. Yeah. But given, given the overinflated bullcrap transfer market we've been dealing with for the last few years. Okay. It's fine. It's, it's a Bundesliga professional. I think he adds something that Dortmund lacked last year, which was some form of central midfield stability, um, where it's not all down to Julian Weigel supposedly being your best defensive defensive central midfielder which that's not really entirely his game so you know i think it's good i think it's a it's an addition Dortmund need uh whether delaney's the right guy or not to fulfill that role long term well i can't judge that right now i think he did extremely well at bremen given given what bremen is so I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not negative about it. I think he's a good player. Uh, I, he fulfills his role well. He's not glitzy or glamorous. He's not a striker or anything like that. But, you know, Sven Benda was anything but glitzy and glamorous. Not that I'm saying he's Sven Benda, but, you know, you also need those kind of players. And I feel like Dortmund has been missing that for the last, well, definitely last season. Yes, Lars, uh, Borussia Dortmund have talked quite a deal about bringing in more winning mentality and maybe put less of a focus on technical skill. Is that purchase basically, uh, them holding up the end of the, that bargain? I guess. I mean, uh, I for one would always like to ask those, uh, saying these things about Uh, too much of a focus on technical play and, and the beautiful game or whatever in the last few seasons where exactly that happened on the football pitch. It didn't. I mean, they didn't really uh, play too well for the most part of, especially last season, but also I would say the second year under Tuchel. So, uh, I mean, they, they are basically admitting to a number of mistakes in, in, in one swoop. But as for Delaney... Uh, I always think it's difficult to assume you can just implant kind of a mentality into a team with with one man. I mean, he's new to these surroundings. He's never played at this level. Uh, he's not been in a team that has the same kind of attention focused on them as Dortmund. I mean, I guess maybe in, in, in Denmark's league, but it's not the same uh, playing for Copenhagen and for Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, I guess. Well, he actually said in an interview with Deutsche Welle that he thought that there's much more focus on, on him in Bremen, much more pressure than there was in Denmark. So, yeah. so much for that, I guess. Yeah. And, and actually, if you talk to Bremen guys or, or people who know Bremen very well, they, they all say he was really great in the first six months when he came from Copenhagen in January of 2017. But especially in the last few months uh, under Florian Kohfeldt, where Bremen kind of went towards a bit more adventurous, a bit more, you know, possession style. Not to say that they had a lot of possession necessarily in all those games, but they, they relished it more than a side of their caliber usually does in the Bundesliga these days. They all say that he, he wasn't, you know, among the, the two or three best performers in, in that style then. So I, I can see their point, uh, Dortmund's officials point in, in why they are bringing him in. Uh, they certainly felt like they needed to add some more robustness in midfield. And he is a good, uh, you know, body, bo bodyguard, if you like, for the defense. He's good at, at winning the ball. He's good in the air. Uh, he's combative and all those things. But to me, uh, you spend somewhere around 20 million on the guy that you probably don't want to start a lot of games uh, because I I think you want Weigel and Mario Götze and Moda Hood and, you know, maybe uh, Lucien Favre has a different opinion. But as of right now, I would say these three are a better combination for Dortmund than anything containing Delaney. So splashing 20 odd million on him is not something I would have done. But 
I mean, they they get paid to do this. I get I only get paid much much less to opine on it. So <laughs> so I guess uh, un- until I'm proven correct, uh, I'll they are. So basically, I wouldn't have done it. But uh, it's it's their prerogative to spend their money however they choose. Constantine, let's maybe take a look at his uh, strengths and weaknesses and um, maybe pick up on what Lars just said. Um, do you think that maybe in high-profile games uh, he would be of more value when Dortmund play less of a dominant style? Uh, let's say in, in games against Bayern, uh, you know, if you flip it around, I always feel like a player like Javi Martinez has a lot of value to Bayern, even though he isn't the best technical player and best passer they have, but uh, sometimes the ball winning itself is also very crucial to to offer protection. Do you think this is something that Delaney can do? Uh, first, I think uh, Martinez's passing skills are criminally underrated, um, actually. Um, I mean, years, years ago, he introduced himself uh, when he came on his first match after, I think, at around the 18th minute, and First thing he did for Bayern was playing a tremendous chip pass behind the line. Um, and I well, Delaney think... can do that too. He has proven that for Vera that he can play these chip balls as well. I, I personally think that his um, pressing resistance in these kind of matches is a bit questionable. Um, and I think that's what what's lacking more. I, I think you, if, if you think you need an aggressive player in high-profile matches, you have, have it a bit uh, upside down or downside up or whatever um because you normally you need pressing resistant players um because these these teams like Bayern Munich uh, maybe RB Leipzig um they will pressure you and and uh, when you look back at the uh, debacle in Munich um <laughs> a few months ago when when Dortmund was just steamrolled by Bayern what happened was that Castro and Dahoud didn't get much going and build up. And that was the, the biggest issue. It wasn't about, uh, you know, the aggressiveness or something like that. It was about technical skills and being resistant against pressure. And, um, I think Delaney is someone who isn't up there with the players you need. Weigel is. Um, and I think Mario Götze is. Um, Dahoud might be there, but there's something or some other things are lacking in his case. And I don't think that you need someone like Delaney. Um, and, and just speaking about the transfer in general, I don't know what his role will be. Um, if Farfer considers him, uh, over Weigel, then, um, I don't think he does. But if he would, I would, uh, you know, probably send him to, um, a specialized hospital, um, <laughs> for, to treat his, uh, illness. No, no, joking aside, but I don't think, I mean, he can't replace Weigel because Weigel is the centerpiece of your entire team. Um, or at least of the, you know, um, of one part of your team, of one half of your team. Um, and then waiting Delaney over Götze, for instance, or over Dahoud in center midfield. I don't think that's, that's what you should do. If Farfer decides to go with a, with a 4 3 3, for instance, what he did in Nice, uh, for at least a couple of months. Um, and then having Delaney as your, let's say, Sami Kedira style of player. Um, so a higher positioned center midfielder, um, who's, who's great at counter pressing, basically what, what Sweat Bender did, uh, for a couple of years where he wasn't really involved in build up, but was the, the counter pressing, uh, uh, playmaker, so to say. If, if Fafer decides to do that, okay, maybe that works out. I don't know. I don't know if that's the plan. Uh, if it is, then I, I, I think that's the only role for Delaney where he can really be of high value and uh, be consistent uh, consistently in the starting 11. Um, otherwise, he would just take away the spot for a much more technically gifted player, uh, which shouldn't be what Dortmund uh, should do right now. Um, because if, if you go back to a much more defensive-minded style, um, you, you cut yourself your legs off, um, especially in the Bundesliga right now, because so many teams are pressing-focused, defensive-minded, um, if you just join the ranks of these teams, you will be just like them and not special anymore. And you have to be to be uh, on the very top of the league. Yeah, to to maybe pick up uh, your your point on uh, needing players that have a very high press resistance. 
in, in those high profile games, especially when I think of uh, Mönchengladbach's games uh, when they won against Bayern Munich. It was, to me at least, always their ability to retain the ball. Usually you see Bayern in, in most games win the ball fairly easily after losing it and re recycle possession if you want. And what Gladbach to me always did is that they managed to to keep the ball away from Bayern's first and also second wave of pressing and then all of a sudden had so much space they could play into. And, you know, I don't know if, if Delaney is the sort of player that can provide these passes. Uh, that remains to be seen so far. Um, at least in his games for Denmark, I, um, yeah, let's put it, it, let's put it mildly. I'm not really impressed with his passing capabilities. Uh, he has, uh, sort of, he has moments where he wins the ball and then just pumps it into like I, I don't I don't even know what the intention is. Then he just gives up possession with a really aimless pass, and that's uh, nothing that Dortmund would thrive on. Um, so Matthias, to come back to you, um, do you think that there might be an issue with he sort of brings the mentality and qualities that Dortmund certainly need in comparison to last year, but just don't really find a way to integ integrate him into the midfield because there are options that would still be preferable to Lucien Favre? Well, um, since I'm not Lucien Favre, it's very hard for me to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I mean, does he have the same technical ability as the the other aforementioned players, you know, be it Weigel, Götze, Dahut? No. Um, would I like to see a midfield trio show up of Weigel, Götze, Dahut every week or every important match day, I'll be honest, no. I'm I'm still yet to be convinced by Dahut. You, you know, that's not a that's not a shock here on the podcast. <laughs> um and I just think you have, you know, then far too many I'm not gonna say samey players, because obviously Weigel and Götze are very different different and I feel like Dahut's the the hybrid of the two almost. And, and I would feel personally, it's just me. I'm anything but an expert. I find that too unbalanced centrally. And I fa felt that last season, uh, when, when that type of combination was on the pitch, we were unbalanced. It was the way I saw it. It was almost like too, too many chefs in the kitchen. And what you got was honestly also a lack of, uh, creativity because it's almost like everybody wants to be the playmaker and then nobody's the playmaker. That's at least what it looked like. And it could also just be down to Stöger being Stöger in, in his tactical construct as little as it was. But I would prefer someone like a Delaney in there paired up with Götze and Weigel because I feel like personally it would free the other ones up a little bit more. I feel you throw in Dahut there. It just, it, to me, it's, too unbalanced from a defensive stability standpoint but that's just me so you'd say that uh, as, as Constantine just said that the 4-3-3 maybe with three central midfielders might be the way to go here I think so I mean Dortmund definitely have the players there you can control the match a little bit more you're not as top heavy and given the players that Dortmund then have in the attacking third obviously you know minus a striker uh uh, there, there's plenty of opportunity there to to play the way that Favre historically, and especially in, in Nice, has opted to play. So yeah, four three three with a trio in central midfield would be my preferred choice. Yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, still a couple of weeks <laughs> until we actually get a glimpse of what Favre is, is trying to implement, and I think uh, it will take more than just a season to to uh, yeah see what what Dortmund want to do at least according to Sorg because he said that uh, it's not much of an overhaul he prefers the term reset or restart and he said that this won't happen over just one summer transfer season but drag out longer I don't know if he meant that the next winter transfer window will also be very important or whether he actually means two summer transfer windows so um, I don't know but um, another transfer that I but found but very just, interesting. Just sorry, yes. sorry. One point I want to raise or just mention at least um, is, is like the entire mentality uh, debate um, or whatever it is actually. Uh, because I, I, I think 
what we saw last season um, is that, especially with Socrates, who is now gone. Is he? Yeah. Um, yes, so pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, it's like uh, somewhat gone. We, we expect him to be gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I, I, th I think he was considered one of these leaders mentality players. And we'll see. I think so, by many fans at least, right? Um, and I, th I think last season has shown that um, there is much more to it than uh, being someone pumping his chest out and being louder than ours. Um, and I don't know, if, like, like because so, so many now say that that uh, Delaney is the mentality guy. Um, and I don't really know what that. Def and I mean, maybe I'm I'm just shaped by the uh, you know knockout of the of the German team, and you know, in Germany, as the entire uh, question going around, what you know, all all their all their mentality players in the German team. What about Kroos? What about Özil? Um, and and I think uh, I don't know what defines mentality in in, in that regard, or what. Well, I I think at least in in Delaney's case, we're not talking about the. Uh idea of the chest pumping alpha male but rather of a of a team player that uh, right. you know values like the idea of a team sport more than the individual sport who is not uh, what we refer to in german as an ich ag basically a company that's all about yourself and i at least feel from what i've seen and read that he is a very humble guy that uh, he has the absolute Winning spirit, which Dortmund apparently sometimes lack, that he has a bit more drive in in his game and and likes to motivate the players around him, that sort of thing. But overall, I think a lot of it comes really down to discipline. Uh, Dortmund had a lot of issues with players that you know are late to the training and are maybe not taking the situation or the club seriously enough. And uh, yeah, it's all very vague, of course. And I I understand your frustration, Constantine, in, in that something not being really, yeah, definable or, or palpable. But I I think it's there are a couple of soft factors that Dortmund certainly need to address. And I think they are thinking that uh, Delaney can help in that department. Of course, never really know until the player arrives there and then uh, see how the entire dynamic in the team unfolds. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it, it just helps to have a guy who's a little bit more down to earth and uh, knows what he wants. He also is, I think, 26 years old. He is not, you know, a bloody greenhorn anymore. So maybe that sort of experience and him having formed a bit of a personality by now helps. Although I want to uh, put there an asterisk to it that... I don't know for sure either. That was just my attempt of explaining your question. If anyone else of you, Lars and Matthias, have a better response, go ahead. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just. I mean, we can we can continue that that debate uh, on another day. But it's I think sometimes it's mi misconstrued that uh, mentality means that you're um, like loud and and. I don't know, extrovert and, you know, you're, you're like this guy who is screaming around and trying to motivate his, his teammates. I think that's, that's uh, not what a mentality player should be, actually. Not, yeah, uh, but actually, in the end, it, 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 it comes down to dedication, doesn't it, really? Like, yeah, yeah, so, so it's more about, I guess it's more about discipline, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think what was, was discipline a word that was mentioned in the official press release? I can't remember, but. On, on the other hand, you would uh, expect to be to have these play all these players be or almost all these players dis uh, being disciplined, right? I mean, if it is not uh, Mario Balotelli or so, then you think that's like a given. But I guess it isn't. Guess it's not. Guess there are still human beings that uh, train and some. I don't. I don't know. Um, it's, there there are just so many whispers of what you hear about players that's maybe are not as professional as they ought to be but uh you know that's also speculation so we'll we'll see if he has a positive impact in that department or not i guess and uh, i don't know if we are even able to derive from his appearance something like that but uh i guess we can also move on uh Dortmund signs Abdul Diallo for i think around 28 or 25 million depending on on uh, different reports 
from Mainz. He has been at Mainz for their, yeah, for one season. Beforehand, he was, uh, loaned out to Sotevaragem and he was also playing for Monaco. Not too successfully, but he was around. Um, to me, that's a really interesting transfer. Uh, Lars, I'll get to you first. Uh, do you think Dortmund should have pl- splashed out so much cash for him? He is effectively the second most expensive transfer in uh, Dortmund's history behind André Schöle. Yeah, thanks for that reminder, Stefan. Uh, I mean, they they always they they set the bar high with Delaney. So if the, if Delaney is a 20 million signing, then Diallo, a more talented player at a more coveted position, in my opinion. Uh, he's at 25, 28, whatever it ends up being. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. Personally, I think uh, I would have been fine with a centre-back partnership of Toprak and Akanji uh, for the most part of, especially next season, but also the foreseeable future because Toprak isn't too old and centre-back is a position you can play successfully for a relatively long time. Uh, but you know they they certainly need, felt like they needed to make a a big signing there, and at least it's someone unlike Delaney who you know is signed for qualities that might not even translate to the pitch. Uh, Diallo is one of these modern centre backs who can do a lot of things, uh, also playing left back, maybe even defensive midfield. Even though I don't think it's going to happen for Dortmund, but it's something he has in his background that that helps him on the ball, especially. Uh, and, and he's shown me at least a little bit more than Delaney in the Bundesliga as well. I think can, can remember Diallo having an absolutely insane game against Bayern, for example, uh, where he was basically a one man army against the, uh, against Bayern. So I, I, it's more understandable to me. And I, I do like the fact that they signed a left uh, footed guy that can also play on the, uh, on the left back position. Just so they have uh, more options there, seeing as Marcel Schmelzer probably can play a full season. We don't know what's going to happen with Rafael Guerrero. Uh, Jeremy Torian hasn't really impressed anybody in his lone season at Dortmund. They might sign Ashraf Hakimi of Real Madrid, but you know, he's 19 years old. So I don't know how much to expect of him. And he's probably more of a right back, even though he played uh, at left back for Morocco. So, uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the idea of just throwing some things at the wall at left back and then seeing what sticks. And, and maybe that's where Diallo makes his initial impact. Uh, I, I think this is a transfer. He's 22 years old on a five year contract that, that, that should, uh, look pretty decent, uh, in terms of this deal, you know, three or four years down the road. And I mean, building a, a strong center back partnership with Manuel Akanji and Diallo. That's that's something exciting to me anyway, uh, and more exciting than signing Delaney or uh, Marius Wolf or whomever they end up signing at striker probably. So uh, a little expensive. I, I think they could have, or, or I, I thought they would maybe uh, not splash so much on a center half, but I think it's a it's a more exciting signing than usually center backs are. Yeah, Matthias, when we look at the transfer fee, um, what do you think when Dortmund analyzed their season and maybe the last two seasons, do you really think that they felt like center back or the, the back line as a whole needed to be, uh, let's say priority considering they also splashed out 20 million for Akanji. So basically for two center backs and one holding midfielder or box to box midfielder, they spent now around about 70 million. Um, do you, do you think that f- at least for this summer, the, the, tra- the focus of the transfers is really more on, on the defensive part of Dortmund than on, on the attacking part? Well, I mean, if we exclude the need of a striker, uh, which is very glaringly obvious at this point, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was, you know, under Tuchel's last season, then obviously it was very obvious under Bosch and, and even under Stuga that there needed to be honestly a rejuvenation, but, but in a strong way. I mean, I, I know some people are terming this Kinderriegel 2.0. You know, kind of referring back to when Hummels and, and Subotic came in, who were much younger, even still, than Diallo and Akanji. 
um, at the time. I, I believe they were still teenagers, uh, technically, you know, 19 or whatever. Um, and, and I'm not going to compare any of these to, to Holman's just yet. Subutich, maybe. But <laughs> um, they... It, it needed to happen. Everybody kind of knew Socrates was, was inching out. And I'm perfectly fine with him being gone, given how he performed over the last two seasons. Toprak being the more experienced now in the back line, um, as far as center backs go, but he's, you know, he's, he's a little injury prone, it looks like. Um, so. That's what I told Lars on, yeah. on Slack. I was like, yeah, Toprak basically is injured when he opens his eyes. So. Yeah, so you, you need something there, and, and you've got two very, very good, very athletic center backs. If I look at Akanji, with one or two misplaced passes, um, trying to ignore those that he's already done for Dortmund, but specifically for Switzerland at the World Cup, I mean, he... I mean, he's one of the main reasons why they were also able to to get that draw against um, Brazil. Mm-hmm. He's He is that, you would almost call him, as we say in Germany, Mentalitätsmonster in the sense that he just seems calm. You know, I always, I mentioned it last season that there were too many times when Topak would get the ball and I got the sense of panic from him. I never get a sense from, of panic from Akanji. And I have to admit, I haven't watched a ton of Diallo play. Uh, what I have seen of him play has always been good. Definitely played well against Dortmund. Um, and, but if I then, you know, obviously preparing, I did prepare uh, for this podcast, knowing we were going to talk about Diallo, I decided to take a little bit of a look at statistics and see if there's anything I can draw from that. And, and to me, the whole calmness factor, which Socrates also did not display given his lack of positional, uh, calmness at times, to me, Diallo definitely fits that bill, even if you look at it just from statistic. I mean, he's a young center back, but he only, last season, 27 matches, he only conceded an average of two fouls per match and only five yellow cards all season. For a young center back, that's impressive to me. Very impressive, especially in a side like Mainz that were battling relegation, where panic can set in extremely quickly because you're staring down the abyss of going down. So it... You know, his, his duels won okay. His tackles won not bad. His pack, pass accuracy is actually better than I thought it would be, uh, at 75%. So I, he, he's one for the future. And what I like most about him from what I've seen is the same with, uh, Akanji. Don't give up a lot of fouls, stay calm under pressure and stick to what they're doing. And that I think is exactly what Dortmund was lacking and exactly what they need for the future. Yeah, did did you look at at his stats only for him being in the uh, central defender position because he also played a lot of games as left back? Um, no, I just looked at at the season as a whole. You know, I mean, and to me specifically, I was looking at how often he fouled and how often he got booked. Those were those are just key things for me when it comes to uh, how disciplined is he when he does go into tackles. And how calm does he stay? You know, defenders that are not very calm, they tend to have rash tackles, which means they foul more. Their tackles, one percentage tends to go down and they get more bookings. And he, and he checks all those boxes in a positive sense. All right. Constantine, now, um, I guess you can hop on a little bit more why he is exciting. Um, I think we can, we can start with his, uh, <laughs> and our, Favorite subject here is uh, press resistance. Um, he finds solution as as a dribbler, I guess. But um, do you, do you think that he brings a big asset to Dortmund's build up play from the back? And if so, in what sort of ways? Uh, it depends a bit. Um, I think as left back, he's fine. As a center back. Yeah, he's a, a pretty much above average, or he's he's um, one of the better um, build-up players in the Bundesliga uh, among the central defenders. So yeah, it depends a bit. It depends. I I don't like him at left back. I think you need a much more uh, attacky. You pretty much need someone like Guerrero, or, or if you want to go a bit more defensive, you need someone like Schmelzer. I don't I don't like. Uh, a guy like uh, Diallo at left back, at, at least in most matches. If there's a injury crisis or something, yeah, why not? But uh, usually, I don't, I don't like that. Um, same with why like not? 
right, right now because he isn't as uh dynamic and he hasn't uh he he doesn't possess um the right uh what it is um it's it comes down to body positioning it comes down to um to to put you know to um put it a bit more simply um it comes down to body position it comes uh, a little bit down to uh how you if 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 he's on the left side um he has a limited view because there's a sideline as a center back he's much more of value to the team because he has a, f- a 360 vision basically that's what well, i think that what makes uh, diallo uh important or that what makes him special among the center backs he has a much he's much more aware of uh his environment uh if he plays on the left side he's more restricted and that makes him less valuable while someone like schmelzer who's played on the left side his entire career has developed certain um thinking patterns and certain like uh his his brain works differently than someone who's playing center back and left back we could talk about it uh, in more in more detail on a future episode, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, that's why that's why be- actually because if you are a much more versatile player and you play on the left side uh, a lot of games, you should sometimes you should sometimes go on the right side just for your brain. It's actually what some tr- uh, coaches do to field you on the, uh, the f- then field you on the right right side instead of the left side just to to uh, train your brain. Um, and of course, a lot of coaches don't do that. And then you got these uh, linear players who are just out of wall, out of their water when, when, when they are playing on the other side or when they're playing in the, in the, in the center position. And then you have uh, guys like Jonas Hector, you know, playing on the left side for years and then, uh, t- turning into a center midfielder. And he needed some time and then, but he developed a certain style. Uh, and now he's, now he's much more of value to the German team because he can, you know, play diagonally uh but back to the yellow um i think he's much more value as a left as a left-footed uh, center back uh playing next to akanji or toprak and i think that's that's what what they should do uh is he my favorite signing or is he the the the, the center back i wanted them to sign uh no um he's probably second or third choice i preferred uh Benjamin Pavard. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they went with another French guy. So, <laughs> um, I, I guess, I guess for the money, uh, they, they paid, it's all right. It's, it's still astounding that he is the sec- uh, second most expensive player in the history with just 28 million euros. Um, it's, it's actually interesting to, to look at these numbers these days. Um, uh, if, if I may real quick, uh, look at Bayern's record signings. That's the real shocker. They, they still haven't signed someone for more yeah. than 40 million. That's, that's crazy to me. More than anything, right? right. Tuliso, yeah, Tuliso is now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tuliso is like forty-five or something, and Ravi Martinez was forty million or something like that. I actually was 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 uh, surprised, but then I, you know, misremember um, the the Mikitarian uh, signing because I thought he was more expensive, but he wasn't actually. Uh, so good job, front office. Um, you know, in these times, you have to praise when there's time to praise because RIC we we, we uh, punch them a lot down um actually um so yeah overall i i, I think uh yellow is, is a fine signing but it's it's not like i'm i'm raving about it I, but i think um because i'm also a little bit hesitant with, with all these i mean now i i i uh you know um did mention Pavar and i thought he would be the, the best signing they could do at center back uh, and now i'm saying that maybe it's not right to to just sign bundesliga players because that's a pattern now you, know, you got wolf delaney and um of course the yellow so three bundesliga players sometimes it's it's better to look outside the box uh but that that's what dortmund uh, did the last few years so maybe they will you know right now this is this this is the bundesliga summer and uh, maybe next summer they will, you know, uh, continue to um, look outside Germany. Um, so because I don't know, sometimes it doesn't feel right, but it's just a feeling. Uh, it's not really something I could uh, prove or anything. I don't have any evidence that it's it's not a good thing to sign um, just Bundesliga players from, of course, then smaller then, teams. Then, then I will ask you about your feeling about the prospect of a back three with with say Toprak, Akanji, and Diallo. Do you think that there's some value in there? Do you think that's a formation at the back that can actually work? Or do you think that there are qualities significantly lacking for it to go over successfully? Um, no, I think the, the back three itself would be fine. I guess with Diallo uh, and Toprak and even Akanji have three players who are 
who might be comfortable with uh, advancing, so at least one of them should be. Um, I don't know if they have if they have the timing right uh, to move out of the back line in in defensive transition because sometimes you have to do that as as a you know especially if a as a left sided or right sided center back in the back three sometimes you have to move out. Um, I don't know if they would that get right. Uh, maybe they would because it's Favre. Um, I think the my, um, the bigger issue would be who are the two center backs. Uh, who are the, the sorry the two wing backs? Um, because who would it be Schmelzer and Piszczek? I don't think so. Pulisic? I don't think so. So uh, you, you don't really have to the, the wing backs right now. Maybe maybe Do- Wolf and <laughs> Dorm is Guerrero, out the door. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Wolf. Right. Uh, let's go back to 1995 or so. <laughs> I mean, Wolf sent a wing back. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Dorm was one of these typical wing backs, but also limited to some extent. Um, then who else? I. It's just. It's. It's. I don't think uh, right now Dortmund has the roster to um, really play back three and two wing backs. Or it would be a very defensive-minded formation, and I don't know, like that. Um, and I don't like Pulisic, for instance, as a wingback. Uh, or Warriors as a wingback. Yeah, neither neither do I, to be honest. Um, I don't I don't know. Maybe they'll sign someone else. Who knows? Um, I have no idea. But I, I think as a back three formation by itself, I think it could work out well. Um, but... I don't know. I I need to see it in action, and it's still such a long time un- until the first game against Kreuterfurt will kick off, and I'm not sure if we'll see a back three formation right away over the Favre six with the back four. Um, so many questions. Um, and uh, there are a couple more questions. Gregory Horn, for example, on Twitter asks, uh, playing with a false nine or getting a traditional number nine striker? Now, Lucien Favre with Gladbach, I think, has played mostly number uh, false nines uh, with uh, the likes of, of Kruse and, and uh, Royce also, of course, at Nice with Balotelli and Plea or Play or whatever how you pronounce the name, um, you had more of two natural number nine positions. Uh, obviously, Dortmund are in a market for a striker. I don't think that Michi Bajuai will stay on. Um, but I think Zog also has hinted that uh, there are players that he feels are capable of playing on that position. So, Matthias, do you think we will ultimately see maybe Royce and Maximilian Philipp form a striking do, or do you think that uh, the club definitely needs to make another purchase at the striker position? And if so, what sort of playing type would you prefer? Well, I think uh, Maximilian Philipp can definitely fulfill that role. I, I'll be honest, I don't think Marco Royce that it suits him. Um, I think he's much stronger coming off the wing or maybe even sitting behind a striker. Uh, but if we're doing a 4-3-3, then coming off of the wing, I think that's that's more Marco Reus, and it would also mean less André Schöle, which is always a positive. Um, so, my opinion, Dortmund need to sign a striker. Um, you know, Lucien Favre, he's proven that he can do the false nine thing or the quote-unquote proper striker thing uh, equally well. I personally believe Dortmund need a a more proven goal-scoring threat. And what kind of player type would that be? Would that be a, a the classic poacher, some someone who is good with his back to back to the wall, or do you think they need to unearth the next Lewandowski? <laughs> Well, if you can find another Lewandowski, please sign him. Um, maybe without the mentality, uh, you know, the mercenary attitude that he's showing more and more and more as the older he gets. Um, but I, I think, yeah, obviously that type of player would be fantastic. I mean, I don't know yet what Favre has envisioned. Is he going to play a more controlled, possession-oriented game? If that's his game, then obviously a player that can hold up the ball and and, and help in those transitional phases is more valuable. If he's looking more at counterattacking, then you probably need someone more like an Obama Young speed demon who can then tap him in when he needs to. Uh, assuming he wants to play a little bit more controlled, 
then probably more the former would be uh, the right. And and then, yeah, False 9 could work perfectly well. Lars Dortmund have been linked with Alvaro Morata once again, although Zog already said that he's most likely still too expensive, and, of course, uh, Max Kruse. Um, do you think either of these players and player types uh, would be suitable for Dortmund? And if so, why not? <laughs> Yeah, I think Alvaro Morata can probably play for every team in the world. Uh, obviously he's not having, or he didn't have a great season at Chelsea. I think that was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point after he started missing some relatively easy scoring chances. Uh, his first season in England, there's a lot of media pressure on a 65 million euro signing, even at a club like Chelsea. So I, I'm almost giving him uh, a mulligan for, you know, a, a not so great first season at Chelsea, which also cost him uh, a World Cup spot for uh, Spain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unless every Dortmund fan pitches in with a few quid or maybe we can have a bake sale, I don't think uh, Dortmund, can <laughs> Dortmund can afford Alvaro Morata, who's going to, you know, cost, uh, I, I would assume, at least something like 60 million euros which is not something Dortmund can come up with. So that's a pipe dream. I actually really like the idea of signing Max Kruse. Uh, he's uh, shown to, or he, he showed to work really well under Favre, but there's kind of a personality clash there. I think uh, Kruse is very polite uh, while talking about it with a distance of a few years. But back then, I don't think they got along too well. So I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, that that kind of striker would make sense to me because uh, I would assume that they are not going to get someone, you know, in the mold of uh, Lewandowski or Aubameyang who's really comfortable playing as the lone striker uh, and, and, you know, with the, the added pressure of having to come up with, let's say, 15 to 20 league goals every year. I don't think they are, they are going to get one of those guys. So I'm assuming... Uh, Favre will go closer with that, uh, closer to the the Gladbach system, which wasn't really false nine per se, but you know, to I guess uh, Christian Streich of Freiburg would call them swimming strikers. So you know, two guys moving <laughs> moving around a lot, and not a real number nine, but also not a false nine. Uh, and 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 in that system, I think Kruse is probably one of the best Bundesliga players, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm. Uh, Assuming uh, at this point, actually, that Maximilian Philipp is going to start most games for Dortmund as the nominal central striker, if they if they are going to have one, and maybe them signing someone younger but more experienced than Alexander Isak. Uh, I think uh, links with Musa Dembele of Celtic make a lot of sense. I think he's the the kind of profile that they've been looking for in the last few years when talking about someone complimenting Aubameyang or being groomed as a replacement down the road, which they just didn't uh, pull off. And, and now they are stuck in this position. So someone like that. But the the way uh, this transfer window is gone, they are probably going to sign a 28-year-old uh, Bundesliga striker or seeing that as there aren't any good Bundesliga strikers. Uh, maybe they, they bring someone back who's over 30 currently at the World Cup and playing for Juventus Turin. Matthias, would you actually uh, make a bag sale for Michi Bajuai or do you think this sort of player type wouldn't I, actually fit in with Dortmund? Well, I don't know about fit in. I just wouldn't break the bank for him at this point. That's, I mean, he did well. He, he gave us points when we desperately needed it and goals when we desperately needed it. But I, you know, the amount of money that Chelsea are going to want to want, uh, I would not spend on him right now. Fair enough. I also don't think, you know, if you making long-term plans, Batroi is a sort of striker that can really ad advance you. Obviously, his scoring rate is great, and ultimately that's a little bit what you want as a striker, but I, I think Dortmund want to have a player that uh, fits in a little bit more with the rest of the team, and when the going gets tough, quote-unquote, when the op opponent stifles you, um, I'm thinking, for example, uh, to the uh, review derby that Dortmund lost to nothing. Uh, you know, a player where 
like Batshuayi would basically be AWOL. And uh, sadly, of course, he picked up an injury in, in that game. But um, maybe Dortmund want to have a striker that's uh, that that can impose himself a little bit more when uh, you know the the spaces are really really tight and maybe with runs and uh, his positioning can unlock the defense a little bit more and hence there's maybe less focus on the scoring guy who adds like 50% of of the goal tally but uh, maybe it should be distributed a little bit more evenly and uh, who knows Marco Royce uh, Return from the World Cup without injuries. So with him having a full preseason, maybe his scoring rate and contribution will go up as well. Constantine, do you also want to weigh in on the uh, striker debate? Who do you think Dortmund should sign? Do you have any options in mind? And if if not, uh, maybe a little bit of a wake description of what kind of striker or type of player you would like to see up front. Maybe one or two. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I I think I actually when when Fafa was signed or in the announcement came in that he would be the new head coach, I was actually excited excited by the idea to have uh Royce and Maxi Philip up front, uh, which is somewhat copying the Mönchengladbach uh, system and also what Freiburg did at the same time, and both teams were pretty similar in that regard. Have these these uh, so-called swimming number nine swimming forwards, you know, roaming around, not really just in the in the middle. Um, so I was excited by that. Then I hear our rumors, and now I don't know what to think about it, all of that. Um, I guess if you can sign a high class um, center forward, you could you know change your system a bit, uh, let Royce play as a secondary striker and and, and the guy up up front. Um, if that's the case, you know, but if you can't sign, um, a high class center forward, and I think they can't right now because in the Bundesliga there isn't one, um, apart from Lewandowski, they can't sign him. Um, and who else is there? Um, so I guess if that's not the, and then Timo Werner, I, I don't think it's not available. Um, if they can't sign someone, um, of that value, then I, I don't think it's, it's really necessary to sign someone beyond, uh, b- below that. Uh, which would just track you down again. Um, because you have to, you also have to adjust yourself or adapt your system to what you have. And I think, uh, Philip and Royce are two, uh, great strikers and even, you know, Gomez and Isak, even Pulisic in a two striker system. Um, so there are a couple of players you could use, um, in these, you know, in a four, 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 two or somewhere like a, for something, something, uh, with two strikers up front. If you, if you got one center forward and two wingers, uh, then, okay, we have to, then it's another debate that I don't know. Then even Royce is still an option, actually. Um, Philip is still an option then. Um, because someone who's more physical also, uh, will, will lead to more crosses, more cross play. Um, as you can see at the World Cup, if you got a more physical center forward, it will basically just um, tell your players without even telling them that you sh- should play more cross passes, and I don't like that actually. I think Dortmund is much more is much better when they when they try to beat uh, opponents on the ground uh, instead of in the air. Um, so and and ideas for signings, yeah. If it's if it's not Bajuai, and I guess Morata is not really uh, an option as well. Do you, do you um, think like like Lars said that Mandzukic is available? <laughs> Oh yeah, I actually think he's available. I think because he gets older and, and, and Juve and Juve, they just signed Canelo, by the way. Uh, they are just, you know, they, Cancelo. Their he's, he's not, uh, he's not in MMA. It's Cancelo. Yeah, but Canelo is, uh, Canelo Alvarez is actually a Mexican boxer, but yeah, whatever. Okay. whatever. He's, he's yeah, not, okay, he's, not a, whatever. he's not a boxer either. Right. Sorry, um, but he's, he's, he's one, uh, actually one of my colleagues. He's, he's his favorite right back, I think. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that transfer strategy is just out of this world. Um, so I, I think they actually would consider 
selling Manjukic and just signing some other tremendous uh, um, attacking player. And, and, and Manjukic is, is sometimes playing or off playing on, on the ring, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess it would be an option. I, I don't know what about Aiden Jacob, what about our players? I don't know. I don't know what Dortmund really can do. I mean, they, they have already splashed out some money. Um, so I don't know how much is left for this summer. And if you want to go for, for more, for the Morata likes, then, and if it's even an option, uh, then you have to pay a high price. Uh, we talk about 50, 60 million, I guess. And even for Manchukic, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, or they wouldn't sell him. They, uh, meaning Juve wouldn't, wouldn't sell him for you know, just 10 million or something. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's complicated. And it's also complicated because you don't really have these, these players in the Bundesliga can go for it. There, there is not one, I think. Um, they, they, I mean, there are players like Ginchek or even Selke with some potential, but it's not something, you know, what is, what you should consider if you're in the, the position of, of Watzke or Zork. Um, and who, who else is there? As I mentioned, Werner and Lewandowski aren't really available. So, and there's not much left. Um, yeah. And even, even outside Germany, um, just who, who else is there really? Um, even at the World Cup, you get like your, your typical names you get for years, like, like Costa and these guys, but, um, um, there is not a breakout star at center forward right now. There is not one. And there's not one really great, um, under the radar talent at center forward. I, think. I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Nyanuzai just scored an absolute belter, so. Yeah, and he's not a center forward. <laughs> also just and, and he has a hist- history of Borussia Dortmund, and we won't talk about it. Um, no, but it's, that's the problem. I look at Belgium. They got, they got Lukaku and Bajuai. Look at, you know, Diego Costa for Spain. Um, who else? Like, like, uh, um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal and, and so on and so on. You got, you got all these big names, but there is not one record starting for Germany was Mario Gomez and Timo Werner. And, and England has Harry Kane and, and Jamie Wardy, uh, behind them. So it's, it's not that there's one, and, and someone like Dolberg, for instance, a Danish player, he doesn't even play. He's, he's behind Nikolai Jurgensen. Remember him? He played for Bayer Leverkusen. Like five minutes and for a cup of coffee. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to see development at center forward. It's just, uh, something is going pretty wrong. Um, so what, what else can you do? S- signing a, a more, more or less unknown player and developing. I, I think that's the Isaac project. And how does that work out right now? Not well. Um, so that's, that's just, that's just a problem. And even Germany. Um, look at the, look at the youth teams and look at the under 22 players or so, 22 years old players. Um, there's not really something you can work with, I think. Not much, at least. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, so, so I guess you have to work with what you have and then you should work with, um, Maximilian Philipp, uh, Marco Royce, to come back to my first point, Jaden Sancho, Sergio Gomez, um, these kind of Pulisic and these kind of players because you already have them and they are young. Some of them, at least, and um, they are still, you know, can form them a little, a bit. And but then, then you have to play on the ground, not in the air. Same for Germany, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, Did I mention uh, that they are out? <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe they are still playing crosses into the box. Who knows? Um, but I actually, I actually think your conclusion, Constantine, is uh, the one that agrees with my opinion is the most. Uh, I actually think that. Dortmund have spent already quite a bit of money. I don't know how much uh, funds they have available. I also don't think that the market really offers a lot of uh, potential right now. Um, obviously, they have scouts that look at way more players than I ever could. Um, but that being said, I actually think that Maximilian Philipp and, and Marco Reus and maybe even André Schöle um, are options that Dortmund have and, and can certainly stick to for a season and maybe hope that it works with with these players and then then let's say if it doesn't work after half season you can still try to make adjustments but i think in the striker department uh you know before you splash out money on on someone who's mediocre you rather stick to the guns you already have matthias why am i absolutely wrong (laughs) Um, you're not. So there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I mean, like you said, it, it comes down to finances. The There's one thing that kind of upsets me 
Dortmund had a chance had they started sooner to get Lotaro Martinez. And I think that would have been an excellent choice and it would have been an affordable choice. But because they pussyfooted around too long, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's another Argentinian striker to go and die at Inter. So, um, I just, yeah, that, that upset me because I watch a decent amount of Argentinian football, Copa Libertadores football, when they actually play good opposition. And, and decent defenses, and I rate him pretty highly. And as such, that could have been a very, very good signing for Dortmund. But alas, it was not meant to be. All right, fair enough. And uh, since we are one hour in, um, I don't know. Do we want to briefly mention uh, what Peter Bosch said on, on uh, Dutch TV Football Total? Uh, because I thought... It was sort of interesting. I mean, you can read the interview and on, on various German sites, but in, in case you don't know, uh, any Dutch or German, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. So basically he said that, um, at the beginning, he was told that, uh, this is the squad Dortmund will keep, except for Aubameyang, who was, uh, supposed to go to China for 78 million euros and make uh, 32 million a year <laughs> which which <laughs> on, Stefan, on which, which uh, regular listeners of the yellow wallport knew because we told them time and time again that Aubameyang was much closer to moving to china than the larger media ever let out so score one for us i guess yes us and the build side score one for the good guys i didn't <laughs> say good guys i said us <laughs> well yeah are we the baddies no, we are the good guys. All right. So, so basically, Bosch continued and said that, uh, you know, keeping Aubameyang against this will, uh, you know, wasn't all that great. And two weeks later, Dembele missed training and then went to Barcelona. And that basically gave Aubameyang the idea that he can force a transfer to, uh, in, in the next transfer window, which he obviously did. And Bosch by then was already fired. And so Bosch, said that this was uh, one of the key moments of the season that really uh, yeah, put too much unrest into the team. And so, what I also found interesting that apparently he was told at the ver very beginning to bring over two defenders and the goalkeeper. I don't know if that was meant to uh, bring them over from Ajax or in, in general. And uh, Peter Bosch also made the point that the squad overall was too bloated. I think there was like 30 players and uh, because of that, there were too many unhappy players around and uh, too many uh, internationals sometimes sitting in the stands. And um, that Zog and Watzke actually told him at the start that uh, they do possess the sort of squad that uh, should make it easy for him to play like Ajax did and that's exactly what they wanted but in hindsight Bosch said he was very naive to believe that and should have uh, brought more players from Ajax or overall into the team to adjust and he will also think twice to have such a big squad size again so that sort of uh, yeah sums up what what he said and uh, that also he wanted to remodel Dortmund's team more to his liking but he couldn't because by the winter, as we all know, December 9th for my birthday, he got fired, ruining my birthday with work. And uh, so there was that. Anyway, does any one of you three guys say anything, comment about what Peter Bosch said, or should we just knock it on the head? I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that Peter Bosch has been naive about football in any kind of way. I, I never would have thought seeing his team's run into trouble left, right and center, even against weak opposition after the honeymoon phase. Uh, I, I would never guess that the guy that devises these tactical mastermindish plans uh, might might have problems with naivete. So uh, I'm, I'm just shook and, and can't comment any further. <laughs> All right, then we'll leave it at that. And uh, also Borussia Dortmund signed Eric Ölschlegel for the second team from uh, Werder Bremen's second team. Maybe he maybe he's uh, called Marcel though. That we we still don't, we still aren't sure. Yeah, no, he's I'm, he's er Eric. Eric. Yeah, but I have it on good authority that most people actually call him Marcel. So. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Your 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 sources in Prayman told you so, or in Tracen or whatever. Uh, yeah. Lars is referring to himself in the third person whilst talking to himself, which makes him the uh, plural plurality i guess in the majority so uh this is why he thinks it's uh, multiple sources anywho yeah, so, so do, let's talk about eric Oeschlager. No, the, what, uh, whatever i have whatever stefan just said sounded like a, a theory on westworld so it's too complicated for me yeah i have to I, catch I think, up I think, on I think, that i think he's stoned but that's just i guess hmm? no i'm not stoned well. Anywho, um, Matthias, since you've played in goal that one time, uh, who's Eric Olschlegel? 1966. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Konstantin. <laughs> um, I'll be a perfectly honest. I don't really have much an opinion of him at this point. I think that's all of us. And with that, we can, uh, well, leave well, it. well, 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 well. I mean, oh, if come you look on. for. If you if you look for a goalkeeper, you know, who has less skills on the ball than Roman Weidenfeller, look no further than Eric Oeschlager. Great reflexes. How much do you know about his ball playing skills? It's just bad. All right. He's great reflexes. He could be one of these typical uh, second Bundesliga uh, keepers who's just great reflexes. But if he leaves like a, like the, the you know, small space, if he, if he leaves this space, he's just confused <laughs> and uh, don't pass to him that's also good. and i'm and i'm uh, totally serious right now that's just him uh, great reflexes but nothing else no skills on the ball with his foot all right thanks for that insight and i think with that we can finally leave it there constantine how can people get in touch with you on the internet and find all your work well, they shouldn't actually, because as you just saw, I, I insulted Matthias. Um, and you know, if if I insult people I like, you know, what what happens to people I don't like? Um, no, uh, seriously, of course you can find find me on Twitter, cc underscore ecknera, and check out spielverlagen dot com. We have on almost every match day of this World Cup, um, pieces, analysis, everything you want. Uh, we have podcasts now. I just interviewed Manuel Fate from Football Card, and we will have another podcast on Sunday about the group stage. Um, also, if you're a German listener uh, or capable of you know, understanding German, then uh, check out spielverlangen.de. Uh, we'll have another podcast tonight. We'll record one tonight about the German team and the demise, the downfall of once the defending world champions. Cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll check that out if I'm if I got time after, uh, you know, catching up with the best world. Lars, how can people <laughs> find you and your work? They can just follow me on Twitter and follow all the instructions. Then uh, I think Constantine took up all the time. So bye. <laughs> all right, Matthias, quickly. Uh, at Matthias Uk on Twitter. Thank you. All right. Awesome. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter as well at ESPNFC. You find my written work on Borussia Dortmund. And if you want to get in touch with all of us, please do that at YellowWorldPod on Twitter as well. YellowWorldPod is also our Facebook handle and, of course, our website, yellowworldpod.com, where you can find all the ways to subscribe to this podcast, which is Stitcher, SoundCloud, and, of course, iTunes. And, obviously, you can also find the RSS feed for all the other podcatchers out there, too. Think in iTunes, you have to hit in the yellow wall. And yeah, that should be all for now. Don't forget to pitch in on patreon.com. You can find more information on that um, on our homepage, of course. And I would say until either next week or in two weeks, depending on how much we actually have to discuss. Until then, thank you for listening again and goodbye.